DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. DJ and PK is brought to you by WCF Insurance, reminding you to be careful out there. Ten years ago, the Utes into the Pac-12. Has it been everything you thought it was going to be? The worst moment in the Pac-12, the best moment in the Pac-12. And maybe it's not a moment. Maybe it's uh, an issue that bugs you. Maybe it's a, a situation. The best and worst. Maybe the, the best thing is PK and the worst thing about being in the... It was 10 years ago this week that the, uh, the invitation came Utah's way. Yeah, I think the best thing is just that. You're in. <laughs> that, that's literally the best thing. That's the best thing about it is that you're in. And all these concerns are from they're rooted from a different level. You take BYU's concerns; they're concerned about getting in. So that stems everything, and then because they're not in, that's the root. And then there's a bunch of other concerns, you know, financially, exposure, uh, playoff bowls. all the way down to you know, not just not the fun of a given Saturday, the second Saturday in October, there's your game that you're way into, but then there could be a couple other games because those games have conference implications or division implications that affect you. So you really intend on watching that game. You know, I bring up a couple years back when the Utes won the division for the first time, they hammered Colorado in the day and then that night was the Oregon ASU game and they needed Oregon to win that ball game right and it came down to the end and, and Oregon got it and went for two the Devils didn't get it looked like the foot was in they called it out blah 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 all that stuff well as a BYU fan you don't have any of that it's your game and then you root against Utah <laughs> That's those are the two objectives Every uh, Saturday, if uh, you know they're not playing during the week, is you win your game and Utah loses its game. Well, you don't have that fun, and all that stems from not being in the conference. For the Utes, the fact that you're in, that's the best. And then I think the worst thing is just these kids keep leaving the Utah basketball program, and the Utah basketball program is a proud program with rich, rich tradition. And right now, that tradition is not being appreciated by kids who keep leaving. No, none of that seems to resonate with them or matter to them at all. And if you'd said how many times they go in the NCAA tournament when they get in the Pac-12, I would have thought, you know, the way the tournament is going, there's more at-large bids than ever for the Power 5 leagues and fewer than ever for the group of five leagues. So I would have thought they'd be good for at least seven or eight trips to the NCAA tournament. I mean, crazy years happen. You get caught short. It's never yeah, really would, been the one-and-done program. I would have gone five. Really? Yeah. Uh, that seems low, given their their tradition, their fan base. Well, I mean, they haven't even come close to five. I know. They're <laughs> so. sitting on two. Yeah, and, you know, maybe you go a little on the low side because when they win in the league, you knew the first couple of years were going to be hard because with the coaching change, you know, when Boylan left, everybody left, and it was too late to get anybody, so you just, you know, 
there were going to be a couple years there to get back. But you can get back in basketball quick if you get the right couple of young players. And they, they did have playing time to offer. In my mind, Gonzaga is obviously substantially better than Utah. And if you would have told me that in 2000, 2005. You wouldn't have believed it. No way. Right. No way. But yet, no one would argue that Utah really is in the same so-called league. They're not literally in the same league as Gonzaga right now. Gonzaga has far surpassed Utah. And that's stunning to me in men's basketball to say that. And I've always respected Gonzaga and their program. Now, of course, they don't need my respect. They don't need anybody's <laughs> respect. I mean, they, they don't need anybody to sell their program. It sells itself. So they're far beyond that. So they couldn't care less what some Yahoo like me says. They don't need me to pump them up anymore because it, once you reach that level, you don't need anybody to just have a bunch of plaudits because it just takes care of itself. It, it is what it is. And if you don't acknowledge it, you're the fool. So no one, no one is justifying Gonzaga anymore. I don't think they have to do that. It just they roll it out there, and they've got pros, and they've got great, all sorts of success at at, at a high high level, and it takes care of itself. For Utah, it's it's really stunning that the program is where it's at because, you know, I didn't know jack about Utah football when I came here. But I knew stuff about Utah basketball. Even though I didn't really see them play a lot, I still knew. If for no other reason, you can attribute it for, for my generation to, James, to, to, to Tom Chambers and Danny Brains. I mean, I knew who those guys were. And I, I don't recall ever seeing them play at the collegiate level, but I knew they played in the NBA. And I knew that they were both first-round picks. So for me, those two guys gave Utah a level of credibility in my eyes that I had for Utah basketball. And since it's more than those two guys going forward, and it was probably, you know, it's likely more than those two guys before them. It's just for me, I didn't know much about it. Whereas I knew nothing. I literally knew nothing about Utah football. Couldn't have named you the coach. Couldn't have named you anybody until I got here and, and saw the program for myself. But that wasn't the case of Utah basketball. And to see where it is now, and guys leaving, guys who sign and then don't even want to play one day? Utah basketball? Come on, man. you got to be kidding me. If your kid is fortunate enough to get an offer for Utah basketball, you'd think you, that, that would break out the celebration. Because they got, uh, to, to, to me, they, they were right next to Arizona. In terms of fan support and passion and quality of play. But unfortunately, that's not where it's at right now. Well, that's why I thought that they were good for seven or eight out of ten because they were right there with Arizona. And after Arizona and UCLA, there really wasn't that much in the conference that would really stun you and overwhelm you. And the Utes, over time, not consistently, but over time, you know, they'd played a Pac-10 team here and there, and it usually gone pretty well. Obviously, you know, Arizona in the regional final, everybody remembers that. Uh, but there had been other games mixed in, you know, and and they'd done fine. So I thought when they got in the league, it's like this, and this is a conference where, if not half the league, close to half the league again. I mean, a four or five bid season is not a surprise. 
they have had a couple down years now where it's two or three teams. That's a little. That's actually the surprising thing to me. Yeah, but I think you're looking at it for his history. You're not looking at it in the moment because in the moment they were on their third coach. So their program wasn't in a good spot. Right, but Kostoviak had coached NCAA tournament teams, plural. Jack Letty had coached one. Uh, you know, Boylan hadn't been the head coach and didn't really have the college head, coach, head coaching track record to, to lean on. Um, and once Kostoviak had the two teams, I still thought, all right, you know, it's still going to be more often than not. It was probably more on track for year five since, you know, there were a couple he missed as he was rebuilding and then they, they missed the one. And even when they missed the first one after the two trips to the tournament, I just thought, well, that's the kind of off year that happens sometimes. You know, a guy leaves early, a couple guys leave early two years in a row and you get caught short. It happens. You know, I still didn't, I could not have predicted this was going to happen. Yeah, I wouldn't have predicted 80%. That, that, that seems way too high that they would have gone. Uh, 80% of the time, which actually, if you're going eight is more, you're going eight of nine. That's, that seems so outrageous. This is just given where the program was when they joined the conference to think that they, cause they were going to miss the first year and they certainly won't, weren't going to get there the second year. So right off the bat, that's minimum maximum of seven. And that would have had to have been seven in a row. And I don't know that I would pick their program. When has their program gone seven years in a row to the NCAA tournament? How many times has uh, that happened? After 94, I don't know if they did it or not. They probably got to six. I don't know if they got to seven, though. Because yeah. um, Majerus had a team uh, a year where he left the team, and they went NIT. And I, I know, obviously, Van Horn's freshman year, they didn't go. Majerus right. missed so, a couple times early on. They may have gone eight out of ten in the, in the 90s. They didn't in the 80s. And they ended right, up- but they've only been in the league nine years, and they sucked at the start. So to say seven or eight just seems outrageous. They would have it, that would have been the, one of the best rebuilding jobs to, to get to seven. He would have had to have gotten there in the second year, and they were so bad in the first year that there was no way they were going to get, get there, there in the, in the second, second year. year. So that's why I, I don't think you're looking at it. I think if you had to review that, you'd walk that back a little bit. Six, Five. walk it back. <laughs> I just okay. think it comes to that that's about what I saw them do. Now, see, partly, yes, you know, you talk about everybody's bias. You know, I showed up in Utah, and like you, I knew the Chambers of Reigns thing, and I knew that they had missed, and that's why they had the coaching change with, with Archibald. Um, so I knew they'd missed some years in there, but then they went right back to where they went almost all the time. And I thought it was going to be, they were going to get even better players in the Pac 12 than be, they'd been getting in the WAC and Mountain West. So you're right. When you take that individual situation, that's eight out of ten is so unforgiving an expectation level. And when you have a coaching change and the whole program empties out, you're right. In that situation, that changes everything. But my bias is showing up in the '90s and look at him getting going. And then you know you open a media guide, you're killing time, and you're like, "Wow, I didn't know about all these Final Fours and NIT title." Holy cow! I didn't know about all these Sweet Sixteens. You know, you dug up even more, and I thought they're 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 going to roll that combination now. Of you know, you used to have to decide. I can go to Utah and play at a really, really on a really good team, or I can have you know the glamour of the Pac-10 and play Arizona and UCLA. And now you're going to get both. And I thought that would really catapult the program. And obviously, that's not how it's worked out. So, you know, and you got to say the rise of Oregon. I didn't foresee that either, but uh, they're. 
they're a high level program now. Yeah, but that's only one. That one. They game. haven't sustained it with multiple coaches yet. You're right. Uh, the situation there, though, I, I don't see. I, I'd never viewed that the prestige of the Pac-10 in basketball because I don't mm-hmm. think they had it compared to the Mountain West. They did. They don't. The, I've been in Pac-12, Pac-10 arenas where there's two, three thousand people, and you go to the Mountain West, and places were packed. So the the difference between Pac-12 or Pac-10 and Mountain West, whack. There wasn't a whole lot of difference. Big difference in football, but not basketball. So I that's why I didn't view them going to the Pac-12 in basketball as such a big advantage. Well, and this goes back to my built-in bias. I showed up August of 92 is when I uh, got hired at Channel 2 and moved to town, and the Utes went to the tournament 11 times in 13 years, my first 13 years here. Yeah, so that's, there's no, there was no advantage for them going into the Pac-12 that they didn't already have. They already had it. They were going to the Final Four. There, it's a Sweet 16 was a regular occurrence. So... Basketball going to the Pac-12 did nothing for basketball. That's clear now. It wasn't clear to me earlier, but it's clear now. And it, they they didn't need to to have it do anything for them because they were already recruiting at a high level. They were already recruiting professional ball players. Yep. Yeah, so it didn't matter. The stunning part is the decline and the lack of respect people have for this program right now. That's the shocker. Because I viewed this program the last 20-some years, uh, I would go Arizona first, and then I would go uh, Utah. Now, I know that that the Bruins had three Final Fours, and that was great. But they don't have the fan interest and the passion in the community. They really don't. I mean, there it's it's, it's the Lakers, I mean, that that time of year. Yep. And and here, you know, we got the Jazz, too, and and Jazz are going well. They, they, They command a lot. But the... The Huntsman Center was packed during my day when I worked for the Watchdog, and it was the place to be. You could, you, there was enough that you could be in both places. You know, there was enough folks here that both arenas could be rocking when they would play. They'd come in on that Thursday, Saturday, whoever it might be, New Mexico, UTEP, whatever the situation was, and then when BYU would come in, my gosh, the place was electric. There was no finer place in the country. That's why, and I haven't been to a lot of. I'm, a lot of places. I've been to a few uh, basketball. I've been to Kentucky and some of these other places uh, to, to see these games and you know, whether Utah or BYU played them. But as far as that, that that's the shocker. That To me, that's the there's no question that's the overwhelming negative aspect, but I don't think it's Pac-12. See, when you said what's the best of the Pac-12, what's the worst? Yeah. I, I don't think being in the Pac-12 has hurt the program. It hasn't helped, but I don't think it's hurt either. Because with all these kids leaving, that no matter what conference you've been in, the whack Mountain West, yeah, you would struggle. Because they struggled right at the end in the Mountain West. Remember? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Yeah. It's uh, in the last... Yeah, they were already in the Mountain West. In the last, uh, uh, let's see, would have been... Was Kristoviak's first year the first year in the Pac-12? Yes, yes. Right. It was a perfect match right there. Okay, so that means in their last six years in the Mountain West, they had five losing seasons in conference play. 
Yeah. And four of them overall. Only once did they rescue it with a non-conference uh, season. So they, they, you're right. They had already dropped big time. Yeah, the Mountain West in basketball was awesome at that time with Kawhi Leonard and Jimmer. And New Mexico was pretty good. And the big dog in the conference for years wasn't even good. But the conference was really good. That's crazy. DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. We'll talk college, basketball, and the NBA with Kyle Collinsworth. Next, the former Cougar star joins us. Stay with us. And now, attention, top of the wire. On 97.5, 12.80 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Baltimore Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson admitted the team overlooked the Tennessee Titans in the divisional round of the NFL playoffs last season. He says, I'm looking forward to the 2020 season and playing the Browns first. Don't underestimate your opponents. Caught us by surprise. That's all it was. If the NFL Hall of Fame game happens, it'll likely be without fans in attendance. Ohio Governor Mike DeWine said, The game scheduled for August 6th in Canton, Ohio, between the Steelers and the Cowboys as part of the enshrinement weekend at the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Former Oklahoma coach Bob Stoops and longtime Toledo, Missouri coach Gary Pinkle headline the newest coaching nominees for the College Football Hall of Fame. Champ Bailey, Ken Dorsey, Dwight Freeney, and Sebastian Janikowski are among the new players who are nominees on the ballot. Joining holdovers Ray Lewis, Carson Palmer, Julius Peppers, and Ed McCaffrey. Top of the Wire is brought to you by Zero Res. A clean home is a healthy home, and right now Zero Res is clean carpets for $33 per room. Plus, schedule three rooms and we'll clean your fourth for free. Call Zero Res today to schedule your cleaning at 801-288-9376. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. You ever think you could have been a competitive eater? No. Take the structure out of it. I could eat a half gallon ice cream right now. Okay, how quick? In uh, 20 minutes. That's one segment, Lloyd. Are we ready to do this on the air? Now? The thing is, it's just not my thing anymore. You just threw it out there that you could eat a half gallon ice cream in 20 minutes. Yeah, well, you could jump on a donkey naked and ride it. But But it's not your thing anymore. (laughs) Is it your thing? Do you want to do it? Okay, how many mozzarella sticks could you eat? In one sitting. In one sitting in 20 minutes. Probably 20. I've got a half gallon of ice cream in front of me, and Scotty's got 20 mozzarella sticks in front of him. Who finishes first? Do either one of us finish? And Lloyd's got a donkey. (laughs) Hanson Scotty. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ PK, time to talk a little basketball with Kyle Collinsworth, former BYU Cougar. He joins us on the Sprint special guest line. Sprint makes it safe and easy to get what you need online. Visit Sprint.com for online services and local store availability. Kyle, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Good. I'm curious if you uh, have gotten anything resembling basketball in your life in the last few weeks and months, or has this been the longest break you've taken from the sport since you were probably, I don't know, four, five, six? Yeah, this is the longest probably since my mission, since it was a two-year break. But oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, it it's been uh it's been different, but it's been good. I've been able to do a lot of different things to stay in shape. I've recently taken up mixed martial arts. I've been doing that for about a month. So, training to get my black belt and just doing a lot of different things. So it's been a nice little break. Nice little change. What has uh, this players in the C, uh, not the CBA, it's the G League now, what have they been told as far as basketball for now? Uh, just that the season's canceled and, you know, most guys are just moving on to next year. 
So I, they haven't said anything as far as you know whether they're going to play or start in time. So that's still up in the air as far as that goes. Do you have any idea what your options are and what you're going to be doing this next season, or is everything up in the air for you? No, I've already I've signed. I'm just I'm not allowed to officially say yet. So yeah, we already know what we're doing. So we're pretty excited about it. When you say you, you talk about you and your and your wife. Is that what you was that what you mean? Yeah. So yeah, me and my wife. So we we were going to a new place next year and. I think we'll leave August or September. So we're super excited for it. Just a new opportunity, new chance to play in, in a whole different area. So tantalizing. We want to follow up on this, but you can't say you're getting a lot of trouble. I want yeah. the dirt, Kyle. <laughs> gave you some clues, right? New area, new place, traveling. <laughs> I, I uh, well, uh, Jake, our producer, contacted you, and he was saying that you had some stuff, but you couldn't really get into it. So I'm not surprised right. by this. But I did drop a guess on Jake, and Jake, you remember what I said, right? And we'll see if it comes true. Uh, probably not. I'm probably up in the night. So well, in your what, experience, what's your guess? Uh, <laughs> well, there were just the way he said it. I wondered if you were going to be involved with that new G League uh, team for the players who are um, not going straight to the NBA. Uh, I think Brian Shaw is going to be coaching it. Nope. Oh, never mind, Yuck. You don't have to remember that. I'm already wrong. Yeah, I took it as, Kyle, you were going to go somewhere overseas. And I'm interested to see how what what your mindset is because – you're an American guy, so obviously that would not be your country. And you've played in the NBA a little bit. So what's your thought as far as staying closer to the NBA and maybe get an opportunity to get back into the league or going someplace else that may be far away and maybe you're not on somebody's radar? How does that work? Well, for me, it's like I've played in the NBA, and I know I'm an NBA player. So for me, what it's about is, being able to retire early at age 35, you know, getting as much money as I can, taking care of my family. So for me, I know who I am. If an NBA team called me right now, I could go and produce. I could do my thing, you know. So I'm not – I'm just more focused on creating that financial freedom for my family. So sure. – how much did you come up with this uh, on your own, and how much did you talk to other Cougars or other players around the state? Because you obviously played your high school ball here, and there are a fair number of players who've gone to a wide range of countries. How much did you draw on their experiences, and, and how much are you just doing this because it sounds like a good plan to you, and you're doing it? Yeah, it just mostly just sounds like a good plan to us. You know, it just felt right. At the end of the day, it's like, what do we really want? And it wants to be financially free and to be, you know, more blessed in that area of our lives moving forward. So that's really what it came down to, and it just felt like a good fit. How much fun is it to go to other places in the world? In basketball, I would think, is basketball, but to be a part of other cultures that are out there that you get to experience. Yeah, I think that's the best part, and that's what we're most excited for is to be able to see new things. You know, I, I'm a big believer in order to make change, you need to step into uncertainty. 
you just need to be doing new things and experiencing new things. So we're really excited about it. It's always very fun and interesting the first couple of weeks when you go through here and everything's just so new and just making that adjustment towards it, I think is very important for progression and growth in life. What have you learned since uh, leaving BYU? The Texas Legends, the Dallas Mavericks, uh, the Raptors, Raptors 905, the Stars. You've you've played with a lot of guys. You've played for a lot of coaches. You met a lot of people. What do you know about basketball know, now that you didn't know when you when you left the Y? I think the biggest thing is just just continue to be me and be confident. You know, confidence is such a huge huge trait to have you know, especially in basketball and in life in general. So the biggest thing is just always keep my confidence and play to my strengths and do what I do best. So what's the deal with you and the physical fitness? I mean, you have uh, – is that a business you've got going on there? Um, I guess kind of. So my, my goal is I want to help over 100,000 people get healthy. So what we start – monthly guide so every month this year we'll have a habit for people to focus on i just want to help people realize that getting healthy doesn't have to be so complicated you know i'm trying to create simplicity for people because i truly believe like in order to create a great healthy lifestyle you just need to focus on one habit at a time where did you get your uh, your interest in this and your passion for it? Because if people aren't on social media and aren't following you, and, and PK and I are, so we see it, you've got a real passion for this. Yeah. I think just through my own experience. At the end of my sophomore year, I tore my ACL, and the doctor told me if I you know, changed my lifestyle the way I ate and did certain things that I could come back in under six months and – I came back in five and a half months from ACL surgery, which is ultra fast. Didn't miss a game the next year, and I just started incorporating these new things in my life, and I just feel so much better, so much less stress, anxiety, just feel, you know, just overall better. I sleep better. So it's been a journey for me, but over the last six years, the biggest thing I discovered is you know, it's about adding one good thing into your life at a time, and it's been amazing to see how much more good's been added to it and how much bad stuff has just naturally gone away. Because too many times we focus on, like, don't do this, don't drink soda, don't do that, instead of just focusing on, like, one thing you have to do that day to improve your lifestyle. Just put all your energy towards it, and with time it compounds and grows a lot. Okay, so I don't think you were in a situation where you had to be all that concerned about weight loss, but a lot of folks are, particularly as they get older. And what would be your counsel to them? If somebody was serious, whether they needed 20, 40, whatever, whatever the amount of pounds is, and, and they came to you and said, Kyle, what should I do to get started? What's the best thing for me? What would you say? Uh, well, first, I try to tell people, like, to shift their mindset from an external, and obviously everybody wants to look good and, and the weight and stuff, but really focusing on improving how you feel. Because I always feel like weight's just a byproduct of doing good things, like losing the weight. So, but in order to get better, one thing I'd say, and people, it's very, very underrated, is just simply walking. 
Like, everybody can walk. I just think we sit too much and we don't move enough. And if we can kind of change that a little bit, just walk after meals, take a certain amount of walk in the morning. So I'd say walking, believe it or not. Because sometimes we think, and, you know, we see on social media, if I'm not running three miles a day, if I'm not doing some extreme activity, that I'm not going to get results. But I don't believe in that at all. So the first thing I'd say is walking. And then the second thing I'd say is intermittent fasting. I'm just creating from dinner to breakfast, you know, 12-hour to 16-hour windows where you don't eat. You still drink water. And the big why that's so good is it allows your body more time to focus on healing itself and not on digesting food. So I'd say intermittent fasting and walking. And we've created two monthly guides for both of those for people to follow. I'm curious your take on uh, BYU basketball as you've played professionally. Probably sometimes mm-hmm. you have a chance to follow it, and sometimes you really don't have much of a chance to follow it. So it's maybe a little hit and miss based on your work. But uh, curious here is uh, as Dave Rose retires and and uh, Pope takes over, what have you seen? What do you like? Where do you think the challenges are? You know, obviously BYU will have the same challenges that it always has. You know, with recruiting sometimes and on the code and different things like that. But I think they've done a great job of embracing that. You know, I think as BYU, we don't need to hide from that. I think it's a great opportunity for people to come live a higher standard and to really focus on basketball because that's really what it comes down to. You get a you get a chance to really focus more on basketball and get it all you got. But I was over there in the office a few days ago, and, you know, I'm really close to Cody Feger, He's somebody that we've grown really close. He was the ops guy when I was there at BYU. and He's helped me a lot in my career. So me and him are really close. And obviously with Coach Pope, he coached me as well. But the biggest thing I love about those guys is their energy and commitment. Like their energy is off the charts. And I feel like they, they together have a definite purpose of taking BYU to the next level. And I think you guys could all agree you can just feel that energy for that goal. So that's the biggest thing I love about them, their energy. And that's why people are, we're getting transfers coming because people can feel the energy and excitement that they produce. Yeah. That's what I was going to ask you about these transfers. It's an interesting deal with BYU. It seems like they were, I don't want to say chasing, but certainly recruiting are open to bringing in so many of them and whether there be, I guess you can consider this, loner kid a transfer to an extent he'll be a freshman but then they've got a couple of seniors that they had barcelo was an under at himself so you got a couple guys who'd be there for more than one but guys who would only be there for one and it seemed like they're all in on that what type of challenges would that present as far as bringing in guys for one season well i just think you don't have right enough time to build chemistry but i think you know, right away, people know what the system's about with, you know, Coach Pope. They have a great offense that's very dynamic, great spacing. It's a very pro-style offense with a lot of ball screens. So it's easy to come in and just play basketball with them. If you know how to play basketball, you'll fit well with Coach Pope's offense. But it's been exciting to see him land all these transfers because that's a, that's a big difference. 
as someone who played at a school and and got to build relationships over time, how much do you think the player loses in that area versus what they gain, obviously, if they play more or they win more? Uh, what do you think of that balance? Yeah, I think the, the plus is, like, they'll be able to go right into BYU and build relationships in a year. I bet if you were to talk to Alex, Marcel, that he's already very, very close with the BYU coaching staff, which I, which I've heard, and he's only been there a year, right? So I don't think it will take long to build relationships, and and at the same time, you'll be able to join a program that finished. I think what was BYU's best ranking? 14, 15, something like that. Yeah, something like that. At the yeah. End of the season. Yeah. So you'll be able to get, you know, both great relationships and win games you talk about looking for financial freedom and and when you get to your mid-30s uh maybe see about doing this other stuff that you've been speaking of so with that in mind what's your expectation as far as the length remaining of your playing career uh i'm not i'm not sure so probably six seven years could go longer could go less i don't know so i'm hoping for at least that continue to play for a while I enjoy it, and I enjoy it. Like you said, the biggest thing I enjoy is just the relationships. You know, over the last four years, I've come really close with, you know, four or five different people that have been a huge blessing in my life and have taught me a lot. So that's that's the best part, and I look forward to, you know, creating new relationships and creating more memories. One of the relationships that I saw you had seemed like uh, it was an enjoyable one is, Dirk Nowitzki had had some fun making fun of you. I would imagine that you took that as a compliment. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We actually still we text here and there. He always tells me that my diet advice isn't helping him, and he's, it's too hard to follow, and he keeps gaining weight. But <laughs> <laughs> just joking around. So, yeah, he's obviously one of them. He's my favorite player growing up as a kid, so it was surreal to be able to play with him and be friends with him to this day. What'd you learn about him up close and personal that people who've watched him can't possibly know? Um, I think he had a like an an unbelievable balance of play and seriousness. He knew how to keep things really, really light and fun and he knew how to like shift gears really fast and get into serious mode. I think for him, you know, throughout the years that helped him to deal with pressure and just to remain. He's like a giant kid. He jokes around all the time. Group chats are nonstop, you know, making fun of people, joking with people. So he's really fun to be around. And obviously his dedication to the game is, and his just attention to detail. It's pretty cool to watch him and his shooting coach shoot and do some of the drills they do. How kind of unorthodox it was, you know, to me or to some other people watching, but to them how how much detail really went into it. Shooting left hand, spinning, shooting with more arch on certain shots. So it, it's pretty cool to watch. But he's just uh, he's an elite guy, a great guy, and obviously a winner. Well, Kyle, we appreciate the time and a few minutes. Good luck with your next adventure, whatever it is. We look forward to finding out what it is. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Kyle... Collinsworth, former BYU basketball star, 
former Maverick. He was with the uh, Raptors organization, the Jazz organization. He's played some G League, played some NBA. And now, getting ready to go somewhere in the world, PK. Uh, yeah, I, I might say China. That'd be my guess. Oh, yeah? I heard Jimmer was interested in going back. I heard that. I told that to Yak uh, several weeks ago. Uh, so maybe there. Because it seems like he's been just about every place else. So why not give that a shot? DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Stay with us. Brian Kelbrowski, NBA reporter for Hoops Hype, did their most recent NBA mock draft, what he had to say about somebody the Jazz might be interested in and what he had to say about a certain uh, local player. Coming up, stay with us. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. PK, we've been talking about the, uh, the Utes. Ten years ago, they got the uh, invitation to the Pac-12 and talking about the, uh, the highlights and some of the lowlights too and how things have changed. And uh, Stuart Mandel has a, a mailbag out and gets asked the question, were there any mistakes made in that summer of realignment? Who wants some of those moves back? Who wants a do-over? What would they change if they could? And uh, one thing he says is, he says, I think the SEC is quite happy with Missouri and Texas A&M, the Pac-12 with Utah and Colorado. Uh, But one thing he cites is the Big 12 taking West Virginia over Louisville. Well, we're just based on geography. Uh, That's it. But also that uh, although West Virginia has more football history, Louisville has been upgrading and has made themselves a bigger deal with the players they've been able to get and the way they've upgraded their status. So even if you measure them at the time, West Virginia is the better get going backwards. But going forward, Louisville's in a metropolitan area. Obviously, they brought in Bridgewater and Lamar Jackson. Now, you could say uh, they've just cheated like crazy. I mean, who? Well, they've been an embarrassment. Who's Their basketball and football programs? Who's played faster and looser with the rules than Louisville? Maybe North they Carolina. fired everybody. Maybe North Carolina with the academic fraud thing. Ah, Santa Barbara. Ha! Ah. Ha! Ah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'm I'm not close enough to that situation to be able to render an educated opinion on yeah. that. Uh, we're just too far away. Uh, on that, so I'm not. I'm not sure uh, where where I would go uh, about that. How about Houston? Is it is it one of the two? It's just the, those two, either Louisville or West Virginia. That was what he went to. Was that those were two where they were weighing right at the end, and they went with West Virginia. And you know, Louisville's in a bigger city. It's a little closer. Uh, and you know, for all the off field issues they've had. You know, do people really care about it? It's about the winning and the electric quarterback. And, you know, the thing is that we see this with teams all the time. And we were talking about this earlier about, you know, the way the Utah basketball program has gone up and down, the way UCLA and Colorado football programs have gone up and down, that just because Louisville's looked better for five years or 10 years or whatever, doesn't mean for the next five or 10 years they'll look better, you know. And and you're right. They've had yeah. multiple they've had multiple embarrassing situations, had to let coaches go, you know. It's awkward. But they're winning. Does Louisville or West Virginia, either of those programs, really move the needle? See, that's the thing. I mean, it's, it's, it's really just about Oklahoma and Texas. 
<laughs> yeah, and the, I, I, I think that's that's what it is on mo- in most conferences. Yeah. It's you got two or three teams, programs that maybe are at the top. The rest, that's right. This power five and non group of five or BYU's case, whatever you want to call them, to think that they don't belong in those with the group of our uh, power five. Of course they do. They can compete with at least at least fifty percent of these other teams and programs because they just basically exist. And maybe they have a season or two that are halfway decent, and then they go back. And you're always trying to get there, but more often than not, you're not going to get there. DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone, talking NBA draft with Brian Kabrowski from Hoops Hype. Next, stay with us.